Welcome to the Delighted Customers Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Slayton, and I'm so glad you're here. I talk to guests with a wide range of expertise who share meaningful insights and wisdom. We give you practical tips, proven frameworks, and share ways to help you delight your customers. Today, I am so excited to have on the show Alex Genoff, who is the head of customer experience research at Zappos. He's going to share with us his reflections of working with the legendary founder and CEO, the late Tony Shea, developing a culture of meaning, Zappos's scrappy beginnings and how that translated to results down the road. We'll also talk about the shift that Zappos is undergoing right now from customer service excellence to customer experience excellence. We'll also talk about Zappos Adaptive, which underscores Zappos' commitment to diversity and inclusion. And we'll, we'll talk about Alex's new book called Forget the Customer, See the Person. All that and a sneak preview into a little stand-up comedy from Alex, which should be a lot of fun. I can't tell you how excited I am to have my guest on the show today, Alex Genoff. Alex is the head of customer experience research at Zappos. And if you've been in the customer experience world a while, you know Zappos. You've heard about Delivering Happiness, the book by Tony Shea, and the really the storied legacy that this company has for kind of breaking through as a leader and really trailblazing uh, in the world of starting everything from the customer and the customer's perspective and the customer's lens. Alex is an experienced customer research professional who applies his experimental social psychology background and his passion for research, design, and innovation to solving important customer and business problems. His professional goal is to help teams create remarkable products and services which make people's lives easier and more enjoyable. Hallelujah. Fewer ruined days, I once heard someone say. <laughs> Currently, Alex is leading customer research for the Zappos family of companies. You may know, may know they have expanded. In previous positions, he was res responsible for research and usability of the products and services for companies like TurboTax, State Farm Insurance, and the Active Network. Alex has a PhD in experimental social psychology and over 25 years of relevant experience with five years of academic research and over 20 years of customer research in the software industry. Alex's areas of expertise include defining and measuring emotions. And we know emotional connection is one of the most powerful um, impacts of loyalty as it relates to the customer experience and the psychology of individual differences, usability, market research, and consumer segmentation, customer experience research and strategy. And he's also a newly, a, a newly acclaimed author. So we're gonna have some fun today talking about a little bit about Zappos and the legendary customer service that Zappos is and customer experience in general and some, some more about the book. So I'm very excited. Would you please welcome or let me welcome Alex Genoff to the show? Thank you, Mark. You're way too generous in your opening remarks. <laughs> well, uh, I, am, I can't tell you how exci excited I am to have you today. And let's start off by um, asking you how 
did you go from experimental social psychology to the CX world? Right. It was, um, takes me back, Mark, takes me back a few years. Um, it was uh, not a natural transition, I would say. It was uh, made, uh, you know, from necessity in a way. So I came mm. to, to the States to study psychology, came from Bulgaria as an undergraduate and then uh, on a student visa back in uh, the early 90s, 91. And um, when I finished my um, bachelor's degree, I studied psychology, um, was lucky to study psychology with some of the luminaries of, of psychological research over at Cornell. And then uh, I wanted to continue to stay in this country and I wanted to maintain my student visa status. So my <laughs> next step was to continue studying. So I did that for another uh, six, seven years. Um, that's how I got my degree in psychology. But um, then your, to your question about transitioning, um, it was uh, it was a bit of a scary time because my first uh, instinct was to be, to try to become a professor, but it was really extremely difficult at the time uh, to to get a good position somewhere. And I was so sick and tired of being extremely poor. Uh, one year I lived on uh, six thousand dollars, if you can believe it. I have my IRS records there. Uh, wow. But uh, so, so then I started um, looking online, and this was again the early days of online job searches and so on. And I would put in psychology as a keyword, and usability started coming up in uh, great companies like Boeing and Microsoft. I lived in Seattle at the time, and I looked into it, and um, turns out it was just a very practical application of psychological research and psychological methods. And it was all about making products and services easier to use, more intuitive, less frustrating. And um, I uh, easily transitioned from that point on. Um, my first uh, main gig was with State Farm Insurance. And at the time, everybody was investing in big usability labs, multi-million dollar usability labs. And uh, State Farm had 6,000 programmers, if you can imagine. At the time. Wow. So it was a great team and got started there, but then um, with time transitioned more to broader uh, CX research. And then uh, before Zappos, I worked at a smaller company startup at the time in San Diego. And then I got exposed to market research and to, to analytics and so on and uh, picked up uh, market research from um, a friend of mine now, uh, a former PhD a neuroscience PhD term market researcher. And so the rest is history. Hmm. What an interesting road uh, <laughs> pathway you got into this. And do you, tell me, do you love it? I love it. I love it. And it's um, it, it, what, what I really like is this uh, continued, continuing to evolve and change. And uh, that's what Zappos was. Uh, it, it's a great company for many reasons, but uh, this is one of those reasons is to encourages you to to kind of be yourself and to to look for for meaningful you know opportunities to do new things not necessarily just climb the ladder the proverbial ladder and uh, that's why i've um, stayed there for so long and um so you come from from this world um of social psychology and now you're in the CX world and you just said you love it. So I'm going to ask you if you were, if, if you were talking to someone who is completely 
uh, new to the world of customer experience, how would you explain to them that customer experience is a brand differentiator? Right. It's, uh, I mean, you, you can go down the, the road of all these uh, big companies, uh, uh, you know, th- those consultancies that do huge research and show the ROI and so on. You mm. know, there are these studies uh, showing ROI and uh, correlating CX uh, KPIs with uh, business outcomes and so on. But we all are customers. We all use products and services. And we all know when we get frustrated, right? And... Um, and now that, that this is what we call the experience. It's your emotional state when you, when you use. It's how using these products and services make you feel ultimately. I mean, it, mm-hmm. you usually employ them for a job to be done, to use Clay Christensen's uh, model and, and term. You want to accomplish something with them, but at the end of the day, it's how they make you feel, right? There, there's another saying about uh, interpersonal relationships. It's uh, you many times don't remember what somebody did or said but you remember how they made you feel that's the same right. thing right so then um, uh, nowadays um, we have so many choices as consumers and uh, there's very f- now fewer and fewer really successful product-centric companies where they're the best and they cannot be touched by any other competitor and or they're a monopoly right and uh, we don't have a choice and so on so there's fewer of those success stories and Based on the amount of choice we have and um, the variety of products and services, uh, loyalty has to be earned. It's not. It's not a given, right? That you offer something, you talk about, you create an experience. Um, you have nice designs and so on, but uh, ultimately, it's um, how you make your customers feel. Yeah, well, well said. I, I, I like that. It's a really simple way to think about it. And and speaking of how you make your customers feel. Um, you, you had the chance to meet and work with Tony Shea, who is one of the icons of disruption in the early days. Uh, and there was someone that, you know, I worked at a, at a regional bank in the mid Atlantic States and we, we shared videos of him. Um, he was one of the, I think early using some of the net promoter score, uh, metrics and, but, but beyond the, the metrics and the ways to measure, like what was his approach because you could buy if you were not familiar with zappos and and um and you're listening on the podcast today they they um got their start um i I believe they started with brick and mortar but then quickly went over to a distribution model that involved online ordering of shoes you know so shoes so i have a family member who was put out of business because he was in the shoe distribution business and the brick and mortars you know, uh, that were in, in the margins there, they weren't adding value, uh, as middlemen, so to speak. And that's what he did. Uh, we're, we're feeling it. So, um, but tell me, tell me, you got to meet Tony and tell me what was behind the thinking of this new model back, back in the day. Right. Mark. Great, great question. So, I mean, I, I did, I was lucky to experience uh, Zappos under Tony Shea and to, um, to, to meet Tony, I was not, uh, you know, working closely with him or I was not part of his inner circle, mm-hmm. but I was, um, I was there for, for a few years when, when he was doing all his experiments and so on. And I experienced this firsthand, this firsthand and, and also got to know him a little bit as a person, got to know his, his parents, um, got to participate in his, uh, 
I kind of saw a resident. He he was a billionaire that lived in a trailer park in downtown Las Vegas. Oh my gosh! You go and it's it's a, it's a shady area. It's a trailer park with a low fence, and you look around. You don't even see security. And my my wife and I would go there sometimes and to 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 these gatherings. It's like, what's what's going on? It's a billionaire living here in a very mm. personal way. So, but that was his personality. His approach was very non-traditional, very humble, um, you know, uh, servant leader. I mean, speaking of just these memories, uh, we would organize these these amazing parties before the pandemic. And they were not called the employee party, they were called the vendor party, because <clears throat> Zappos recognized that without the vendors, right, you have nothing. So mm. were put almost like in a way for this party was were put above employees. But the thinking was again, employees first, vendors, customers, and so on. But you know, in the middle of or like one, two o'clock in the morning, you would see Tony walking around and uh, giving away tacos, right? Mm. So that's- well, you met you met his his parents. What was that experience like? It, it's um, great. I mean, great. Again, you, you begin to understand his roots and, you know, where, where he gets his uh, kind of humanity and humility and so on. Um, great people. Um, were they immigrants? Yeah, I think they were. They, they, they came to the States to study uh, first. And then because I, I have a great interest in Chinese culture, I trained Shaolin Kung Fu and his, his dad was really started like really talking to me about it. And it's, uh, hmm. but amazing people you can see, I mean, they, they demonstrated this kind of unusual approach to business and building a community on in the workplace because they would organize these um, little events. So we had, a, we have a China team that Tony's dad started and they would visit us in Vegas and they would organize a little kind of performance party and they would go up and dance and sing. The, the, you know, Tony's parents would be up there on stage, you know. Hmm. I mean, what else, what other CEO and, you know, billionaire would you think of that his parents would go and dance and perform in front of, right? Um, yeah. But but this was the, so to, to get to your, your original question, I think, um, and, and it's not, uh, I mean, it was, you know, t- you could see it in Tony, but I think it's uh, also apparent in other really successful and um, remarkable business leaders, I mean, Jeff Bezos and others, this counterintuitive thinking. It's it's when everybody's going this way, you go that way. So, and initially it's it sounds crazy to many in, at the time, it, it sounded crazy. Like you invest in customer service, you're crazy, right? This is a cost. I mean, it just uh, minimize it, right? Um, but Tony, mm-hmm. no, this uh, just to your point of being a, a middle person, right? Uh, you know, he acknowledged people can buy shoes a, a elsewhere at Nordstrom's, and most people at the time would go to the store and buy at Nordstrom's. So you would say, why would they come to us, right? We need to overcome that barrier and we're going to do it through amazing customer service. That's going to be our um, approach. And even nowadays, this it's rare. Even what, 20, 20 plus years later, it's rare. But that was one of those, um, uh, one of those approaches. And then the other one is to say, treat... Um, Treat customer, treat well, treat customers well, but treat employees even better. 
because those employees mm. then are gonna make the customers feel good right and and so on so um in that respect um again counterintuitive thinking developing a culture meaning and what it really means is culture is the people it's not some magical like state or magical entity or something it's not also just a set of rules it's the people and but also the rituals and the the investment you make so uh, I mean, Zappos would, over the years, um, would, for example, opt to, instead of getting a, a, a chunk of money that and then peanut buttering it and, and giving everybody like a small bonus, let's say, right, to go and spend mm. by themselves. Many times, Zappos would invest in creating experiences that we share together. Right? And that was... Um, you know that made you come to to work and want to be on campus want to be with your friends and uh i think that's one one of those examples of you know no offices for example no corner offices tony didn't have the executives didn't have offices there were no overt uh kind of symbols of power right people that other other business people that came to zappos and would wear a tie they had three choices either take it off or keep it but cut in half or wear it around (laughs) (laughs) and but that 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 also had that the point of that was to say be yourself right and Mm. be a natural leader don't just um, put on a suit and to look powerful so when you um, when you talk about and thanks for sharing a lot a little bit of the background and, and sharing a story about ways that they do celebrate culture with like you just shared um, the the dance party and the traditional parties and and not not necessarily giving a small bonus or whatever but really trying to do something everybody can participate and to foster a, a culture of unity right right. So, so my question to you is: as um, if you uh, if you're not familiar with Zappos, and some people may not be as familiar, um, uh, they you know you can go to their their website and and probably buy just and I know they've expanded into other, but just about any kind of shoe or footwear that you may desire, right? And yet the experience. So that's a kind of thing. I mean, that's a personal thing. I have like two different size feet. I have like a 10 and a 10 and a half. And, um, and I want to talk about adaptive a, a little bit later, but, um, then I have a really narrow, you know, so the idea of buying something online would be like the last item, like, okay, an external hard drive. Yeah. Yeah. A, a, a mouse. No problem. I, I'm not worried, but, uh, a shoe, you know, my, my, so how, how did he break through some of those paradigms in, in consumers' minds? Right, my great, great question. I think we have to think back to, I mean, this was the dawn of the internet, right? And, and dawn of uh, online uh, commerce. And yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stories of, of how, again, the ingenious ways in which the team um, solved problems, uh, very much like Amazon. I mean, we are an Amazon company now. We've been for over 10 years. But just there's a lot of stories of, of Jeff Bezos of their their kind of ingenious ways of of, of solving problems, you know, thinking out of the box and so on. But for Zappos, it was very scrap, you know, a startup where 
they started with dropship and um you know they would go to physical stores and uh and ask uh, the, the the you know the owners there can i take a photo of the shoe because i want to put it on the internet and we, and they would be asked like what what is the internet what are you talking about they, well <laughs> can i take a picture of your shoe and said uh, and said okay so they put it on on the web and say and put a buy uh button underneath it and if somebody clicked they'll go to the store purchase the pair and, and ship it so that was the mm. that was the initial um well, guys, right the very scrappy and, and quick and um and there would be you know and, and then the way tony invested he was the initial investor he would have uh, very specific uh, kpis for the company he would never write like a humongous check and you know say go spend it he had he, he was very disciplined and uh, encouraging results and so on every quarter or every month he would release funds but the result was this um, very innovative, um, scrappy approach. And um, as the company grew with its success, that, that's that's why he uh, then very consciously started developing the culture and, and the the rituals and the, uh, because there were a set of rituals essentially and the investments. But because as as the company grew, he started seeing you know those startup values get diluted so he wanted to, to keep keep that um but now um speaking of now we're in a different um you know phase and Tony's no no longer with us um the the new ceo now is scott schaefer who's been with the company for 14 years and he's a great representative of the culture and he was getting finance for a long time um, now he's building on what tony was uh doing and, uh, and basically, Tony would say that Zappos is a customer service company that happens to sell shoes. Now, Scott builds upon that um, and, and evolves the brand by saying Zappos now is a customer experience company that happens to sell shoes. Very important because Tony was so laser focused on customer service, mm. Zappos to where it was, but now a lot of companies focus on customer service. So now it's not that uh, big of a differentiator. So now we're looking at broad, more broadly to digital experiences, to all kinds of other customer centricity approaches. So can I can I double click on that nuance for for just a minute? Because I think um, I think it could be really meaningful that the shift from from where you were to this new CEO Scott is saying, you know, we're a customer experience company that happens to sell shoes. What why the why the delineation? Well, it's, um, I think that the initial, so we need to examine the initial, um, the initial statement, which was basically, again, very, uh, Tony's statement was very uh, forward looking and very I mean, prophetic in a way of saying, look, we, we may be selling shoes now, but we're going to sell other things and we can help people in other ways, right? Because we're customer service. That's what defines us. I mean, other great companies like Apple, you know, they were called Apple Computer, right? And they dropped the computer part right now. They're selling watches and mm. maybe some days they'll sell connected combs. You know, I'm I'm waiting for that day to have like a smart comb, <laughs> connected comb and so on. Well-designed comb. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm joking about that, but uh, but they also are 
a company that innovates, right, and happens to sell XYZ. So that was the impetus for this. And then um, Scott's kind of evolution of this is to say customer experience is broader than just customer service. And I, yeah. it's, uh, I mean, customer service usually is like a safety net when something goes wrong, right? That's the, yeah. But we can do so much to bring that spirit to the digital experiences and to, to innovate and to now a lot of companies talk about uh, personalization and in retail specifically like if you go to any of these retail conferences 90 percent of the vendors are personalization right but um, essentially in my opinion these are um, just um, you know algorithms that are best guest recommendations and and this is i'm borrowing this from Jeff Bezos uh, talk early in the early days um, of, of Amazon where he says yes our algorithms provide best guess recommendations right uh, there's a huge difference in my opinion to the customer experience to how you feel or how companies help you between guessing based mm. on a lot of data and then really understanding you and providing meaningful personalization Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, thanks for sharing that background. And, um, I, I remember seeing some videos probably 11, 12 years ago, uh, where they brought cameras into the Zappos customer service area, the contact center, uh, area. And there was a lot of energy and they brought people down to the shipping area, the cameras down there. And People were incredibly excited to fulfill an order and get it out. You know, they said, well, we'll said, we'll have it to you by Wednesday, but you'll get it a day early. Um, so, so tell me your favorite story. That's uh, that's a customer service related or a customer experience related story. You know, that's a, you know, there's so many that I have to, I have to think, I mean, it's it really, again, part of those rituals and the culture is, um, when, when I started Zappos, now things have changed a little bit, but when, when I onboarded Zappos, everybody had to go through four weeks of intense customer service training. Think about that. Four weeks hmm. of intense customer service training, which regardless of whether you were a VP before or you were a barista or server in a restaurant in Vegas, mm -hmm. there was about 30, 40 people um, in, a, in the basement um, with, I mean, there was no cell coverage or anything. it was just first name based. There was no, you know, um, you know, VPs or whatever, right? It is, everybody was just first name basis and they, they made it really hard. And from the second day we got on the phones and they made it even harder with, you know, we had to deal with the, dealt with the actual customers and they, um, the people who helped you. I think it was intentional. They made it uh, a bit more noisy and a bit more chaotic. And uh, it's that one of the hardest things I've done and um, makes you appreciate uh, this profession. But then you also get to interact with, with customers and hear their stories and so on. And we have these pre, I mean, you know, customer service phone calls that probably should be in the Guinness World Book of Records because they're the longest one was 10 hours, 50, yeah, 50 minutes or something like that, over 10 hours. Um, and these are, 
um, really story worthy and kind of sound shocking. But I personally was on a call about an hour and a half with with a customer, and uh, sometimes we, we we talk to customers. Sometimes we listen into to the real pros, talk to them, and sometimes people just have to you know they don't call to buy shoes; they call to tell their story or their you know they're bedridden and uh, they need to talk to someone. Um, but that is, um, you know, that was commonplace. Uh, some of the more, uh, you know, stories that, that you retell over and over, uh, the, the story when uh, Tony was talking, we had some friends, they were, they were outside somewhere in Vegas uh, having dinner and drinks. He was talking about this great customer service and he told them, look, uh, you can call customer service now. Don't tell who's calling and ask them to deliver pizza to us. <clears throat> and, and this person didn't, they, they delivered the pizza, right? <laughs> and, and, and you're a shoe company. Exactly. And, and, and look, I mean, this is, again, sounds a bit unusual, but as part of the routine customer service uh, calls, uh, if we don't carry it, uh, our customer service agents helps you buy it off of Nordstrom off, off of another retailer, which tells you again where the focus is. Yeah, you're, you're living it, not just saying it like so many say, kind of give it lip service. You guys have and continue to live it. Yeah. So Alex, um, 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 a number of things have changed over those years, and one of the one of the buzzwords today is big data. Yeah. Um, companies are are trying to get big data and do things like AI, uh, machine learning, and uh, you know robotic robotic process engineering, and, and and all these different things to try to automate. And um, like you said, perhaps it's personalized personalization, perhaps it's, uh, I don't know, reduced cost. I, I don't know what their motivations are, but then there's a tension there between that and customer loyalty. And you write about some of this, you explore some of those concepts in your, in your new book. So tell us about, you know, the white space that there's a lot of business books out there, but the white space that you saw out there and that created a need in your mind for a book like this. Sure, Marcus. Uh, I mean, it was this Precisely this tension that you mentioned, uh, I realized that there was this um, really these two clashing mega trends, if you will. Right, one is the fascination with big data, data science. I mean, just um, of course, business nowadays is based on numbers because you need to, you know, businesses report to to shareholders on a regular basis, and it's all numbers. That's that's. Business runs on numbers. There's no question about that. That's uh, that's how things should be, right? That's how business operates. But then technology evolved to the point where it's so easy to collect data and to store it and to analyze it. And then we get these ultra bright people to write uh, algorithms to, to work with that data. And so it's, um, it's so powerful that... Uh, you know, it makes you think that it, it's a panacea. It can solve anything, right? Oh, yeah, just, we get the data and you can personalize and you can do this. Look, th there's there's some experiences and, in, 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 uh, you know, we write this. Uh, I have two co-authors uh, and we, we, we talk about this in the book. 
there are some experiences that i mean data and data science and algorithms have changed our lives i mean incredibly for the better take google maps i mean it's google there i think they're underrated in terms of the, the have some of the most amazing technology um it's it's so commonplace that we don't talk about it but it's so powerful right imagine google maps right um before what was what was driving uh you you may end up having to drive you know you know in in precarious conditions right think back a few years right where you had like tom's guide or you had written like a few instructions on somebody has written had written like a, on a piece of paper and turn left on this street and turn right on that street right or right. or you have tom's guide next to you like you look down right so now you open google and they actually predict to the to the minute that when you're going to arrive they you know <laughs> crunch all these numbers so that's amazing there's so many other examples i can give you but the point is these are all experiences that are shared by all right it benefits everybody there's no there's no need to personalize right everybody benefits from these because everybody has the need to get from point a to point b and so on but when it comes to personalization we start talking about so the other mega trend is this um, like you said uh, focus on creating emotional experiences and long-term long-time loyalty and so on but then um, you understand if, if you think about it that um, many of these mechanical approaches like uh, data science and their mechanism they're back in the day it was machines but they're different types of machines now um, but the same fascination was was back then that um if you don't bake in empathy and don't bake in under psychological understanding of customers in those algorithms you're going to end up with pretty absurd things like uh, for example you uh, you renovate your backyard and you buy a gas grill and then online and then you know the confirmation page then offers you 10 more gas grills why not right mm. Just bought one you probably have space in your backyard for 10 more and here's you know, what other customers also bought this other grill and unless you're a collector of you know gas grills um, you know it, it doesn't make much sense so but that's the best guess recommendation approach because it works for some things in general and on the average but you cannot average humans and you cannot average customer experience right it's i don't know if you heard the story of the statistician who had his head in a hot oven and feet in a block of ice but on the average they felt just fine right <laughs> I, like that. Was, I mean i could do a whole hour of stand-up comedy on this right <laughs> myself on a personal level that married you know uh, live in las vegas we have 2.4 beautiful children right yeah nicholas is point <laughs> Gets teased in I love it. So on and on. Well, I love it. Yeah. Well, I no, I, I I apologize for jumping right in because I I was so uh, excited about the subject matter that I forgot to mention the name of the the new book, which is "Forget the Customer, See the Person," and it, it relates to what you just were talking about. And then the sub subtitle there is "A Business Guide to Understanding Your Customers in Uncertain Times and Beyond." Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So, 
So, yeah. So this relates to really to what we were talking about. Do, are there any other key themes in the book? I mean, it, this is the main theme and um, we, we wrote it with two main purposes. One was to inspire a new way of thinking or at least rethinking how we approach uh, customer experience. Um, and then another one was to give some practical uh, practical advice. Uh, one of my co-authors is a, is a neuroscience PhD turned market researcher. He's the expert in segmentation. He's, he does all the, the rocket science math, right? Uh, <laughs> all the brain stuff. Um, but, you know, but I think we've tried to make it um, very high level and, and just give enough tools to say, okay, now if you want to understand your customers on a deeper psychological level, do these things, X, Y, Z, right? You can just talk to them. You can observe them, right? And that's what's the difference between qualitative and quantitative data and approaches. These are all very practical business discussions, um, but, you know, many times they go, they kind of stay at the surface and you never really examine, you know, what, what they really mean, right? Yeah. Well, I, I love I love um, the story about that you shared about being in the basement and that, that everybody was equals down there going through training and that sort of indoctrination and 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 this walking in their shoes. Mm-hmm. You know, talk about empathy. I mean, that's a great way to <laughs> to to learn about empathy. And we we did that where I worked as well. We had people with headset, you know, two sets of head, you know, another set of headsets yeah. with the person as they were listening and. Um, you know, going into, it was banking. So going into a branch and getting behind the teller line and uh, trying to listen in on the customer. See, you know, you could see, I, I would say, and and I'd love to hear what you think about this, but um, when they watched the customer service people deal with seven different systems where they had to log in, log out, log in, log out to get a single answer. And then in, in one case, I forget what the particular function was, but they'd have to wait for a call back from this vendor to get an answer for a customer. Sorry, I'll have to call you back. I mean, they saw that and that really they invest after that, they invested in a multi-million dollar platform. So so you had a single service log on, but does, does that resonate with you? Absolutely. Mark. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's once you see, and technology is also is, is complicated, but you hit the nail on the head. It's because most companies do not invest in the experience of customer service people, right? Um, and customer service folks don't have a choice in what systems they use. So then they end up with this uh, probably very unusable, difficult to use, confusing, frustrating set of tools and systems, right? Because nobody ever invested in making their experience better so that they, they, you know, they can create a better experience for the, for the customer. But, you know, the Zappos approach was hire the, the very best for that role, right? And that's partly why Tony moved the Zappos to Vegas because Vegas has, you know, it's a city that never sleeps. Uh, many people are used to not sleeping because they're in the service industry here anyway. So then yeah. provide them a much better experience and atmosphere. And you hire really great people, sense of humor, happy people, right? Right. You can't hear the don't. Right. So, yeah. And so I, I don't mean to cut you off, but um, uh, in the book, in the book, you mentioned this concept, meaningful personalization. 
And we hit on, we hit on, maybe it's related to what we talked about before about these companies trying to personalize and after you bought a grill, you, you know, they're offering you six more. Say more about what meaningful personalization is. Um, absolutely. I think the idea of um, meaning, right? What, what, again, it goes back to how you make people feel. That's, I think that's what it's all about. And uh, mm-hmm. one, uh, one example that, that to make it real uh, that we talk about in the book is gift giving, right? This whole concept of gift giving, that's going to make it... Uh, kind of hmm. vivid right so let's say um you know what gift do you give to somebody who you, you don't know right maybe cash right like you want to give them cash yeah yes right um, so one level up above that in terms of getting to know somebody maybe a gift card right you know that they like movies right so or the type of they like steak so give them a steak gift card right what what would happen if uh, you give cash to your spouse of twenty years and say, "Here, honey, buy yourself something nice for your birthday"? How how do you, yeah, again go? Not going to turn out well. Not well, right? But uh, so or or what what gift? What about you? You want to give you know a gift to a billionaire that can afford anything? You give him a hundred dollars, or give him a hundred thousand dollars, right? Well, you know how how are you going to make them feel uh, better, right? It's it's by giving them something that's meaningful to them. <clears throat> so, in the case of your spouse, you know, if if you're attentive, uh, you would have you you know without them having to tell you, you kind of know what they need or what they like, right? They mentioned something months ago, you remember it, <clears throat> and then you kind of surprise them and delight them that way. Or to a to a billionaire or somebody who can afford anything, you give them something. Uh, I don't know, nostalgic or something from the childhood, whatever, right? Um, yeah. So, so that is, I think, that's the difference. So, how close can we get to knowing? And, and it's hard to know millions of people that way, right? If you have a customer base of millions of people, but I think we need to try, right? It's it, again asking some questions and. In the case of this example from the backyard grill, um, I've borrowed from uh, a speaker that I invited to to talk at Zappos. He was um, heading digital experiences for Walmart. Really, uh, really brilliant guy. He he gave this example and said, well, uh, well, the meaningful way of doing this is if uh, we know that now, Mark, is just uh, you are renovating your backyard and you like to entertain people. Mm-hmm. So if you bought a grill, then I have to ask you, well, do you want a big table? Like if you have a lot of friends, you know, we know that you live in a certain area with that gets cold. Maybe you have the heaters out there. If if that's what you want to do is you want to entertain people, right? You want to gather people. That would be more meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well, it sounds like a fascinating book. Um, before, before, um, we, we, we land the plane here. I wanted to ask you um, about what Zappos has got planned um, or have they, have they, um, have you guys decided to expand beyond shoes? I don't think so, Mark. I mean, I'm not aware of, of any of that, but you mentioned Zappos adaptive. One of the ways in which Zappos uh, always innovates is um, this started even before the pandemic, and 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 this is a great example because it was uh, the idea was generated by one of the 
team members who's not a customer service uh, rep, but he worked in merchandising, but he was on the on, on these calls. And he spoke to somebody that had a child with uh, with a disability or something like that. And then the mm. idea that we need to help um, you know people with disabilities, for example, right? And and then being inclusive is is very broad, right? That includes different body shapes, body sizes. But then um, it's it's a very um, it's it's a broad spectrum, right? Uh, you have right. people that are, let's say, amputees that only need one shoe, or people with different size feet. You'd be surprised, like you're in good company. There's a lot of people whose you know feet are not exactly the same size. So, Zappos Adaptive was born out of that to help uh, people with disabilities. Uh, we sponsor the um, Special Olympics. Right, we, we work with uh, models that are uh, represented this community and so on. So that's one example. Um, and th there's many other ways in which we we innovate in terms of uh, the business models going beyond wholesale, kind of back to dropship and uh, consignment and so on to help the vendors who are really strapped during the pandemic. And um, just to go back to the adaptive, then I assume that uh, members of the military or or other people who have lost limbs, um, would you sell them with just one shoe? Absolutely. I mean, it's it. We have programs that, um, I mean, just honor members of the military, teachers, right, uh, service service people. That's these are just auxiliary programs. But but you see, the theme is inclusivity, right? Inclusivity that's mm. just beyond yeah. gender or age, right? Yeah, a special, a special project, and clearly it demonstrates empathy. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so so much uh, for being on the podcast today. Fascinating stuff from the ritual dances to what we just talked about adaptive to the story about the grills and all the other things we talked about. Um, fascinating, and wish you uh, the best of luck. Couple of things. One, if listeners want uh, to purchase your book uh what's the best place for them to buy it well it's on it's on amazon okay on amazon and secondly if they want to connect with you somehow what's the best way for them to reach you yeah i'm uh, best way is on linkedin they can find me on linkedin okay awesome well let me just uh thank you so much for being on the delighted customers podcast it was a pleasure having you it's uh, the pleasure is all mine uh, mark and uh it's the delighted participants too i can tell you well, thanks for listening to the Delighted Customers Podcast. I want to ask you to do two things. If you've enjoyed this episode or any of my other ones, hit subscribe. I've got a lot of other great guests that are coming up and a lot of other great content, and I don't want you to miss anything. And if you've gotten something out of this, share it with someone. Make sure they have access to all this content and all the other great content coming up. You can find any links or references on the show in the show notes, and you can find those on my website, at empoweredcx.com.